Hello, everyone. Today you have Jake and Seth. It is December 10th, and we're actually going to talk about a couple news topics uh, today. So, Seth, the first topic I have is Elliot Page, the actor formerly known as Ellen Page. Yes. Uh, since we last spoke, has come out, uh, announced herself. I don't know if that's the right term. I just try to be respectful. She is now, she's identified herself as transgender, and she now identifies as Elliot Page. And yes. yeah, I just wanted to throw that. Topic. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction was, I think immediately, maybe the most famous transgender person in Hollywood since the Wykowskis, mm -hmm. I, I'd, I'd venture to guess, and really the first kind of known actor to kind of make this switch mid-career. I can't I can't think of another example off the top of my head, at least. Maybe there's other trans actors out there that I'm just not aware of. But um, I think it's interesting, uh, especially because it's like, we saw her in the past in all these female roles, and now we will see him, Elliot Page. Um, I'm not sure, maybe in trans roles, maybe in female and male roles. Uh, I'm, I'm just sort of interested in where the where his career acting-wise goes now that he's made the switch, I guess. Yeah, and so you brought this you brought this up to me, and my first reaction is the one I have now. Look, agree with you. It seems like we're kind of on the same page. I'm, really supportive of this decision. I think it's really brave and a bit like ambitious in a, in a really brave, daring way for an industry that's really defined by appearances and having mass, mass marketability. And that's really like your jobs are really based on roles, whether you're an actor or an actress. I just thought it was, and just for the simple fact that it's who she is and she has the courage to come out and say it to the world was such a big, for, I support it for all those reasons. I'm really happy for her. Um, and I also am interested to see how how it affects her career moving forward. But and it's I, like, again, I think, yeah, like to reiterate, like Jake said at the beginning, it's extremely brave of him to make this transition. And also, you know, you think about like in the 70s or 80s, if, uh, you know, an androgynous actor made this kind of declaration, that would have been the end of their career. Like undoubtedly, they would, the career would have ended if this happened in 1975. So it's like, just thinking about that, I do think the culture's come a good bit of distance that this person's going to continue to have their acting career despite making this transition. But the fact that we have a culture will allow that, I think is kind of a big step. I actually, I, I agree. I think that's a really, I, I think that is a silver lining. And I, I, I like that. I hadn't really realized that. And just to your point, thinking of Ellen, it sounds like you were referencing in the mid nineties, she had a hit show and her sure. career tanked when she came out as just as, as being a lesbian. I'm not saying one's different, better than the other. But another nineties Anne Hayes, who was uh, in a relationship with Ellen for a while. I mean, her career tanked really hard uh, once it came out that they were both gay, and it's like she's never, never really recovered. Yeah, yeah. Ne never recovered. So, and that's yeah, that's in the nineties, you know. So yeah, I guess uh, it seems like we're on the same page. We support her professionally, personally, all that. Just curious as fans, how she markets yeah. herself, what types of roles she goes after, and then just and that I think. Seems like we're both on the same page there. And we have real quick, I, I would also say, I do wonder if I, on rewatch, if you watch something like Juno, if it'll kind of give it an added layer to like the confusion this person was going through as a teenager and like knowing a transition happens later in her life. It's like, I don't know, you maybe it might add an extra layer to that. I also wonder if like, as an actor, if this unlocks him further, kind of where it's like, maybe he'll be better as a male actor than he was as a female actor. That would be interesting to me as well. So it's like, well, what's interesting is a lot of her characters would have tomboyish aspects, I feel like, at least from the films yeah. I saw. So I, I feel like, and just I'm thinking of the film, I think it was Hard Candy, which was one of her first big breaks with Patrick oh, yeah, Wilson. Yeah. And she 
in that film, she flips the traditional gender role of being the predator on the older man. So I, I think I think you're right on point. I'm introducing some of her older films because I think it is going to add some interesting subtext. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting so, right. big stuff for you. Hopefully we didn't just step into a landmine. If we did, I'm sure one of our nine viewers will tell us or listeners. Uh, all right, next next topic, Nolan, Christopher Nolan has straight oh, up boy. ripped the WB. So it's a, a dual <laughs> update. The WB has announced they're releasing all of their 2021 films, which included some 2020 yes. releases that were pushed back. They're going to yeah. release them all straight to HBO Max and Christopher Nolan's reaction. And for a little background, they teased this with Wonder Woman 1984 and Patty Jenkins, the director, was given a lot of credit for this decision and it was pretty well received. And I think it's another example of Warner Brothers not really knowing what they're doing as a studio or it's a studio not run by film people because then they decided to release all of their films. And my take is that Patty Jenkins deserves credit. I'm sure she agreed to it. It's pretty obvious to me this was a company-wide decision. They teased it with Wonder Woman with the hope it would be well-received and then used that to open the door to release everything. So that's the that's the context. And this is including releasing Tenet to home entertainment, I think, sooner than Nolan wanted. That's going to be available in the next week or so. And so Nolan, I'll, all you need to know was this was his quote. I went to bed thinking I was working for the greatest movie studio on earth. And I woke up, found out I was working for the worst streaming studio on earth. And that out to that, I throw to you, Seth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I was very conflicted about all of the sides of this news. I mean, as a personal viewer in the middle of this pandemic, I was pretty elated to hear that this many movies were coming to HBO Max, which is a streaming service I do have access to. And so I was pretty happy just as like a personal viewer that that was happening. On the other end, as somebody who follows movies and the movie business and all of that, I did think it was incredibly dumb by Warner Brothers. And in like almost, I mean, I can't, I can't sort of like explain to the degree or the depth of dumbness, but it's like, you're basically, if you had waited a year, assuming the vaccine comes out and the majority of the world returns to normal by, by 2021, you're, you're basically throwing all of that movie theater, you know, who knows there might be an exuberance to go back to the theaters when the vaccine comes out maybe people will love seeing other people and strangers who knows what would have happened but it's like you're throwing all of that revenue out the window you're just saying forget it we're dumping it let's take our streaming revenue let's get more subscribers to hbo max let's build the streaming like i understand the shift they made but it's like from now on into the future i don't know that you're ever going to get that movie theater money back or ever have those sort of event movies and it's like that is a big loss and it's like to say that we're not going to release, you know, a Christopher Nolan movie in the theaters and have that mass appeal and have that, uh, you know, that cultural moment for people and all the concessions that they buy when they go to the movie theaters and all the jobs that they create when they go to the movie theaters. It's like, I do think that's incredibly, not just dumb for them, but it's like dumb for society. It's like, there is still a place for movie theaters if we're allowed to gather in large groups again. And it's like, I, you know, obviously the movie theater business is going to change as a result of the pandemic. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a shrinkage of theaters, but to say that we're just done with it and all these new movies are going to streaming is not a smart business move on any level. <laughs> I I agree with you on both accounts. And I, to be honest, I really hadn't occurred to me the enjoyment I'm going to, it's just starting on me now how much I'm going to enjoy having all these movies on my fingertip. I was excited about Wonder Woman 1984. As you know, I'm a huge comic book fan. I'm yeah. just like you, I'm starving for content. Super excited that this movie was coming out. And at the same time, as a fan, 
as a fan, I knew that that means something is up with this movie. Because this movie was also delayed. This movie was supposed to come out last year, and it was delayed. So, like, this movie was really made three years ago. And it was supposed to come out last year. So, I get yeah, yeah. So, for me, I, I had kind of mixed emotions with Wonder Woman 1984. It was, I'm excited to see it. But the fact they're not willing to wait. The first one made over $900 million. This one can make $1.2 Easily one billion, yeah. if even with a very very moderate rate of growth, and let's say it even goes lower because of COVID, but you're let's say it's seven hundred fifty million. Let's say it's eight hundred million. Let like yeah, it's like eight hundred million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and like and like the math there is so just to to explain as Seth knows the math with movie revenue is so if a movie makes a billion dollars, half of that is going to theaters. They split it half of that revenue with theaters. But the other math is in China, they only get 25% because they have to give 25% to the Chinese government. So as these Chinese movies make more and more money, especially for these blockbusters, they're getting less and less. So if your movie made a billion, but 200 million of it came in China, well, you end up walking away with this 425 million to, instead of 500 million. And so I'm not saying that's why they did it, but that's just a quick look into the math. And again, I don't know, all, I don't have all the facts in front of me. But to me, even if you're, let's say you just have Dune and Suicide Squad, you wait to release those movies next December, you could easily make one to 1.5 billion. And to your point, Seth, if there's a demand for these films and people are ready to see them, you could easily hit 2 billion between both of them. Um, And so where I'm coming from it too is like, even as, again, as a fan, Suicide Squad, I'm going to see in theaters. That movie, the first one was not good and it made $750 million. You're bringing James Gunn who's got a really devoted fan base and he's going to excite both the Marvel and DC fan bases and bring in his own guys. And if it's good, you're going to get that extra bump. Like that's easily, I think you're looking at easily a billion dollars in. And as I said, even with all the math we said, Oh, and the one thing I forgot, so it's $425 million. And then you spend a significant amount on um, usually it's 50% of your production budget. You spend the equivalent on your marketing budget. So of that $425 million, Let's say your movie you made your movie for two hundred million dollars. You're you're still bringing home over three like you're bringing home two hundred fifty to three hundred fifty million dollars on a billion dollar movie. I have to imagine that one of those would like account for all the money you're just pissing away. And the it's just it's crazy. And not only it's like you think about that, you get two hundred fifty three hundred fifty million dollars. That's your budget for the next years, whatever, how many ever Marvel movies you're going to make. You know, it's like the reason they, they want to make these big rakes on these giant movies is so they can set up future movies, which is exactly what Marvel did in, in their whole sort of like uh, systematic approach to it. But, but I was going to say, just quickly, you hit the nail on the head and I'll, I'll let you go. But I, the one thing, this is just WB again, being reactionary and they see Marvel as getting so much credit with their... See, they see Marvel as getting so much credit with The Mandalorian, and they know all these Marvel programs are about to come out in the Vision and WandaVision, the uh, Black Panther, obviously not Black Panther, but the Falcon and Bucky, the Hawkeye show, the Loki show. And so they want to beat them to the punch, and so they're rushing this, just like Batman versus Superman to beat Civil War to theaters. Like it's, I think it's exactly (laughs) what they're doing, and now they're trying to get a leg up on the and they're not doing it the right way. You're not releasing programs that bring people back week over week like Mandalorian. You're bring, you're releasing movies that are just going to be pump and dump for most of the fans. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a hard swerve into the, like the Netflix Amazon zone, which is like those 
they make, you know, Netflix will make a movie like whatever, The Irishman, and they'll release it on Netflix, and that's what they do. They don't need the distribution of the theaters. They've never behaved the way that Hollywood does. But it's like, you know, for you to swerve into that zone makes no sense because it's like you already have all the relationships with the theaters and everything. It's like you have the infrastructure to make all that money and then to – and not only that, when you pull those movies out of there, you're actually opening a window for a different company to release big budget movies in theaters and just steal that, you know, steal your own thunder, basically. It's like if any other big movie company releases a big time movie and there is demand and people are healthy and able to go out to the theaters, there's going to be enormous amounts of money to make. It's undeniable. So to that point, you just I agree. Everything shut down now, but movie theater is going to come back at some point. But it's going to be harder if a quarter of the market or 30% of the market, which WB accounts for, isn't doing it. Right. But at the same time, this is going to make things worse for the movie industry in terms of Disney's going to have more power. Imagine if no WB movies came out when Avengers came out. Like, it would have made $4 billion. It would have made $3.5 billion. Right. Like, imagine, so now you just removed every... So, I was worried what they're going to do with Black Widow, and I was kind of getting to this point because they're releasing all these shows, and I know they have pretty dead set chronologies. Like, are, do you just release it at some point? And now I'm saying, fuck that, because if this movie comes out even in August, you can bring it out, you can launch it whenever you want, because it's going to have a clear runway. There's not going to be any competition from WB in terms yeah. of these big action sci-fi films. And I know some like the, WB is Marvel's biggest competition in terms of the audiences and demographics they're going after and now they just 2021's completely clear so i think black <laughs> yeah, widow it's like a open runway yeah pick any day any big time holiday day you want to release a movie it's probably open and know? what they need to do is and it sounds like wb didn't do is disneyness because disney is the streamer and the distributor they can say hey let's leave this in theaters for six or seven months and we'll just that's how avatar made so much money it came out in the holidays yeah. and it ran for six months through until the, it was knocked out of competition so as a movie fan, I am pleased. As someone who wants to see the movie, <laughs> yeah. but as someone who wants to see the movie industry thrive, I am not pleased. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there. Yeah, we're in total agreement. I think I was definitely in a in a mental space of like I really got to hold on till like uh, like it just felt like movies weren't going to be a thing for a year. Like you just they were all going to be delayed for a year, and then they'd come out in theaters later. And it made sense to me, like, business-wise. But now that they're releasing them, I am, it's, like, amazing to me as a viewer. But it is, it does seem like a horrible move business-wise. Just for Hollywood, for all of Hollywood, but beyond WB. Yeah, it's just, like, it doesn't which, make sense. Which I think, to bring it back to Nolan, he's right. You, they went from one of the best movie <laughs> studios, and now they think they're a streamer. And it's, they're not better yeah. than Disney. They're not better than Amazon. I mean, they might be better than Amazon Prime, but, like, not really if you're looking at it from a, depth and breadth and like as an actual yeah they might be better from a library standpoint right now from at netflix and amazon i think they're all about even honestly i i browse all three of those constantly but it's like uh i am amazon and netflix have solid business models that have been developed already hbo max is a brand new service and yeah wb is just more entrenched in the movie business i give netflix the nod because I think it has better originals and I think it does a much better job of curating the library. I just think of it like since I've had it, they've had Seinfeld, The Office, Friends. I know they don't have all of those now. Schitt's Creek. Uh, they've done, when they've lost good shows, they have a way of 
refilling that. Like when they lost friends, they ended up getting Shit's Creek. They lost Seinfeld, they got friends. They lost friends, they got Shit's Creek. Netflix is very shrewd. They're, yeah, the cultivation of their library is a very shrewd thing. One of the things that's tipped me towards the HBO platform, though, is they, they added all the Turner Classic Movie Library. And that, that gets me late at night, Jake. I can't help myself. I agree, but it's just different. Like having yeah. the, the best thing about streaming is the different forms of content. 30-minute shows, yeah. an hour-long show. If you're looking at just the movie library, it's a much especially in like with quarantine where nobody has any free time, it's easier to find 30 minute, 30 or an hour windows as opposed to two and a half hour windows to watch a movie. So we, we can move off I that agree. point. We're, we're getting lost in the weeds, but <laughs> last two tidbits. First, Sam Raimi, Emma Stone have been rumored or now almost confirmed, I think to be in the next, in oh, the, man, in the Doctor Strange I... film, the multiverse right. of madness so you brought this to my attention i'm gonna throw it to you you have any questions i actually me? i just saw another rumor that hayden christensen might be reviving his anakin uh, for this movie or something no he's not gonna they're not gonna have anakin unless i think you're okay let's focus maybe on the I'm, news let's, maybe focus, the wrong on, let's focus on the facts <laughs> <laughs> but it does sound like uh toby mcguire's involved they're gonna do all these different sort of spider it does sound sort of like a live action spider-man spider-verse kind of thing but I'm kind of hoping they do their own sort of take on it, I guess. I'm not sure what they're really doing, honestly. Okay, Hayden Christian, that's a totally different story, Seth. That's not in the I'm story. sorry. I'm converging story. <laughs> yeah, so so in terms of this, it makes sense to me. So Scott Derrickson was the director on the first Doctor Strange, and he is now he, – he was removed from the film. And I was surprised they did that because the first Doctor Strange was very well received by fans. It was did well critically. I think it was certified fresh. And at the box office, it wasn't gangbusters, but it made over $650 million, which for them, it that's like a moderate for any other studio, that's probably your best film of the year for Marvel. Yeah. That's a moderate hit. But the bigger thing with these characters is they then took him and built him up in Thor Ragnarok and the Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. And he they expanded his character and he was well received in all those films as well. So where I'm going with this is they brought back Peyton Reed after Ant-Man and his film made less money. And just like similar, his character kind of grew in these other joint films. So Dr. Strange, I was surprised when they didn't bring Derrickson back. They said it was a conflict of interest. So initially the idea was they were bringing in Nightmare, who is a character who is the embodiment of actual nightmares from <laughs> the Marvel film, from the Marvel comics to be the main villain. And it was visualized as a horror movie by Derrickson, whose background is in horror. And then when they, he was released, it was just explained as a difference of opinion or vision, which we hear all the time. But it makes sense to me because given the news that they're bringing in all these old Spider-Man from these other franchises, not just Marvel films, but these are Marvel films from other studios, which they now have the rights to. There's, right. They're probably going to bring back the X-Men. This is actually might be how they introduce mutants into the film. So where I'm going with this is it makes sense they let Derrickson go because the rumor is now there is an Avengers film this is the big event film of this phase. This is going to be the film where they have all the heroes. So so I was assuming it was more of a Spider-Man thing, but it does sound like it's this Doctor Strange multiverse, like it's everything. So Spider-Man will be in it, and I'm sure, given that that was the most successful, I, you can make the argument the X-Men. I think you're going to see some X-Men, not, you're going to see the Hugh Jackman X-Men. You're going to see some older characters. I mean, if, oh, interesting. So that's where, that's the whole reason they're doing this. It's similar to the Spider-Man animated film in the Spider-Verse, they're going to play with that same concept. Sounds very complex. I can't, I mean, I'm interested in it and there's all sorts of rumors coming out about it now, but it's like, 
it, it also it seems like they're building the hype already. It's like they've got the hype machine already turning for this movie. That makes sense if that's their big one. And now that yeah. WB is not coming out with anything for the next few years, <laughs> you might as well just start hyping it now. Um, all right, last announcement. Um, I, I don't think we can go to all of these, but you you brought it to, up to me. A couple of Star Wars Disney announcements. Hayden Christensen might reprise his role as Darth Vader. Not sure where yet. Perhaps in a movie or who knows. There is a New Republic series, an Andor series, uh, an Ahsoka Tano. Um, Rosario yes. Dawson as Ahsoka Tano has been signed to a three-film deal. Uh, so That's a three-film deal? Wow. Yeah. Hey, they're they're building from the Marvel model. That's how the Marvel, every time they so. sign I know, yeah. That's uh, how you have to do it. If you're going to tell a story, you got you to sign them up. I guess, personally, it's like, that's probably, of, of these like new projects being announced, that's probably the one I'm most interested in. Um, Although I will say I do I think it's interesting that none of these projects involve like a Skywalker or a Solo or any of the like original type of any of that kind of blood. It's like all it's all been jettisoned and it's like now we're just doing like side I don't know universe stories inside so, Star Wars. It seems to me like there should still be some sort of like connection to the original people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Seth. They spent a whole franchise moving away from that. Also, all of those original people have been killed off or in their 70s. So I, I disagree with the idea. Yeah, but they don't have relatives? I don't know. That's the whole point of the, of the last trilogy. I, we're not, we're not, <laughs> there were last trilogy? What I'm going to say is this, though. Uh, I, I think you do need to move on. I think nine movies with certain characters is, isn't plenty. So I, I, I disagree with you there. I, I don't trust this group of people to do it. But if you tell me it's John Favreau and the people behind Mandalorian doing the next movies, I'll believe that. If you tell me it's Kathleen Kennedy, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. But the, I'm going to go super deep here with Ahsoka Tano. Her character is really big in the animated series, but specifically in Rebels. What ends up happening with her is that she dies in uh, season two or three. She's killed by Vader. And then she is brought back to life at the end of the last season because one of the characters is able to travel through time using this old force power it's he finds this old temple and he actually the the emperor is there and, and he ends up preventing the emperor from getting it and destroys it but when, while he's there he saves ahsoka tano goes back into he can go back to any time and he goes back in time and saves ahsoka tano so I think the, the next franchise is going to take place after The Mandalorian. It's going to be three movies. And I'm telling you, how it's going to end is going to be, they're going to go back and retroactively change, probably killing Luke in the second movie. Oh. And I think it's going to give them a chance to literally change the trilogy Change the trilogy through the existing. <laughs> this is why I Dave, love, I'm loving this. That's a, that's a real deep take. So Dave Filoni did the, the animated series. He did The Mandalorian. He's probably going to be involved in these movies. He has been okay. designated as Lucas, as the keeper of the chronology. as And so he and John Favreau, like, so there is that. I'm excited about it, and I do agree with you somewhat. But what I want to give you hope, because there's a chance these three movies might lead to the next Luke trilogy. I see. Well, here, my other question would be, um, I guess all the, like you said, I guess the Skywalker blood is basically dead. But there is a baby Yoda or a Grogu, as they now call him. I mean, is that not a connection? Like, do you think he's related to the, you know, what's going on with Grogu, Jake? We don't have time for that now, Seth. We're going to, we'll dive into it on the Mando pod, but uh, okay. I think for now, we, we just let, let that 
leave that stone unturned. But but like, give I me a Groku know. trilogy. That's all I'm saying. If Which I could is, tell you, know, I would have like, written it, and I'd be working on it right now. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I think that does it for the news. Uh, sure. Want to say goodbye from Jake? Seth, you want to say anything to our beautiful fans? Goodbye, beautiful fans. <laughs>